We're building our whole life on Jesus. Come on, you may be thankful today, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. What's up, everybody? Are you guys doing good? Are you well? Do you like who you're sitting next to? All right, I hope. <laughs> Anybody here tonight for the very first time? Raise your hand, please. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to YA. We're glad that you're here. I also want to say a quick welcome to anybody who might be watching online, specifically my mom. She watches all of these the Friday after YA. So, Mom, I love you. Thank you for praying for me. God knows I need it. So, all right. Well, hey, really quick, guys, we have something important to do before we go any further. We need to take a moment of love and remembrance really quick. Um, a lot of you might know this, but last week... Um, Friday, early in the morning, one of our young adults, one of our friends, um, a young man named David Muniz, um, he passed away and in the middle of the night had a seizure and went to be with Jesus. And um, for those of you who were lucky to know David, you know, um, man, he, he was so gracious and so kind in, in so many ways. And he loved Jesus a lot and was, was a fierce friend. Um, and those are some of just the few reasons for why he will be missed and why he's left such a big impact on this community. Um, I remember the very first time I ever came to Young Adults. It was about three years ago. It was at the Littleton campus at the time, about 300 people. And um, I walked into that feeling so intimidated, like as an extrovert, people person guy, walked into that, felt so intimidated. So I can't imagine what it's like to walk into this tonight if this is your first time. I commend you for coming, especially if you're an introvert. I'm so sorry. But um, this is a very warm and welcoming family. And so I would encourage you, just say hi. And if you have been in this family for a while, just say hi. Because uh, that night, David was the very first person who said hi to me. And um, we ended up talking for the next 20, 30 minutes about soccer and about really cool and trendy Oakley eyeglasses that he could pull off, but I never could. And um, I, just, I just needed that that night, you know? I needed it. And um, I know for a fact that he, he's done the same thing for a lot of you. Um, once again, one of the many reasons he's left an impact and that he will be dearly missed. And so um, I'm just hit really hard this week, I guess, with the, the gravity and the weight of why it is that we come here and what it is that we do here and what this whole thing really is about because life is a mist, is what David said, what the Bible says, here today, gone tomorrow, right? Whether you consciously think about it or not, at every single moment, you stand on the brink of eternity, with Jesus, you stand on the brink of heaven. Without Jesus, you stand on the brink of hell at every single moment. And th th this skin, these bones, these are nothing but rentals. I'm not making it out of this alive. The Savior and the enemy both want my soul. One of them is going to get it, and I'm not guaranteed to have tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed to get to experience 2018, and neither are you. And so let us as a generation, as a group of young adults, never fall prey of living our lives as if the purpose of our lives is just to arrive safely at death one day. Because death is not the end anymore, and our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the one who has saved this world. His name is Jesus Christ. He is everything, and with him, we get to experience life. With him, we get to breathe, you know? With him, we get to, to fall in love and to laugh, and with him, we get to cry and we get to mourn. 
With him, we get to experience the thrills of the mountaintops and the pain of the valley and everything in between with him because he is everything. So pray with me right now. God, we thank you for our lives. God, we thank you for the time that we um, got to be with David. And I know right now, God, his soul is with you in a place where the love lasts forever, safe with you in that place. And one day we'll see him again. But in the meantime, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would give an overwhelming amount of comfort to his family, to his friends, specifically his close friends, God. Give an overwhelming amount of comfort. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart that with you, death is not the end, but it's now the beginning. It's the beginning and one day we'll be with you forever. And David, right now, I hope that you're enjoying Jesus in the, in the very place that we are trying to bring to this earth, the place where there's no more sting of loss, the place where there's no more heaviness of sin, in a place where there's no more brokenness, in a place where you can fly. I hope, I hope you love it. And thank you for being such a good friend to so many people. Thank you for running your race well. And God, be with us tonight. Teach us tonight. Give us comfort tonight to those who need it. Give passion tonight to those who need it. Awaken our spirits, God, to live as loud as we can with the time that we have left on this planet. Awaken our hearts to love with the same kind of passion that you love us with, as unconditionally as you love us, God. And may we never, may we never take a single breath for granted, God. May we make the most of every single breath that you give us. Each of those are gifts and we remember that, and we thank you for being so good, and we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, guys. Um, well, obviously, hard to teach after that, but honestly, I, I feel like I know, like, David, where he is now, and with his ultimate perspective, seeing everything, he probably sees how important it is that every single one of you, and myself included, just knows Jesus, and I think, if he, I, think if we, I think if he could tell us something, I think he would just want us to know Jesus tonight, honestly. So tonight, let's lean into Jesus, not so that we can know more things about him, but so that we can know him because there is no greater treasure on the entire planet than simply just knowing Jesus. There's no greater treasure than just knowing Jesus. And so tonight, if you're here, which you are, congratulations, you're here on a great night because we're kicking off our new series about Colossians that we've decided to call Colossians, it's right there. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. If you have the Bible app on your phone, go ahead and get those out too. Go to uh, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read almost the entire chapter tonight, and we're going to do like a 35,000-foot view of it because we can't really zoom in on every single verse. We just don't have the time. But you have the time this week to go and do that yourself, okay? And so Colossians, really quick, is not a book. Colossians is a letter written to a very specific group of people by the Apostle Paul. Paul spoke prophetically to the early church in profound ways that transcend time and are still very, very applicable to us today. And so before we go any further, I, I kind of want to start it um, so that you can get the full experience of this letter. I want to begin with a story time experience. And so if all of you right now could just close your eyes, it's okay. Okay. Nobody's going to come and punch you in the face, I promise you. You can close your eyes. How often do you get to close your eyes and have story time anymore, right? So enjoy this. So everybody, close your eyes because we're about to go back in time for just a few minutes. But I want you to do your best to picture this. So you are, you're you, except you live in the ancient city of Colossae. It's about 60 A.D., 
Colossae is in western Turkey, so it's on the other side of the world, so it's a Mediterranean climate. So on every corner, there's a falafel stand and olive trees and flowers everywhere. It's probably very similar to like modern-day Scottsdale, Arizona, except without all the golf courses and shopping malls, okay? So very dry but very beautiful, okay? Very dry but very beautiful. Not a huge city, but nonetheless, it's a place where a lot of people your age want to live. It's the cool place to live. It's very easy to get to because it sits right on a major road, kind of like Denver sits on I-25, and it's connected to all the surrounding cities, connected to all the surrounding cities. And, um, and on this particular night, it's a Thursday night in Colossae. You leave your Colossian home, and you walk down the dirt road. There's Roman soldiers on every single block. There's Latin inscriptions on every building. And the Roman Empire is everything, okay? You're in the Roman Empire. You feel protected by it and provided for by it. The Roman Empire is where you put your hope. And you, as an ancient Colossian young adult, you know Jesus, but you don't have a Bible, Okay, you can't go to the local Barnes & Noble to get the latest Craig Rochelle book. You don't have that luxury. All you have are Old Testament scriptures and the hope that maybe somebody could read them to you because you would not have access to them on your own. But tonight is Thursday night, and you head to Young Adults in Colossae, okay? And you show up. It's a bit smaller than this. It's in an amphitheater outdoors underneath a, a clear sky. It's a beautiful night surrounded by trees. It's warm with a cool breeze. The music is good. The falafels are even better, okay? And your pastor, a guy named Epaphras, gets up on stage, and he starts to give a message. But you're leaning in because you're especially excited about tonight because you know it's a special night. And sure enough, halfway through his message, Epaphras stops, and he pulls out a letter written to you in your church by the one and only, the very famous Apostle Paul, who you've never met because he's never even been to your city, but you know all about him. He's like what Billy Graham is to us right now, right? And he wrote this letter to your church. And so it's a special night. It's a packed house. Everybody knows it. And so you're leaning in as Epaphras begins this letter to your church from Paul, and it starts like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful in Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father. If you haven't opened your eyes yet, you may now do so. You're now you. It's Denver, and it's 2017. So there's a point to that exercise, I promise you, and it's called context, okay? So why is it important to read your Bible with context? Well, I'll explain it this way. Imagine that you've never before seen Star Wars, okay? I pray that you have, considering you're an American. But let's just pretend you've never seen Star Wars, and you walk into the theater at the very end of The Empire Strikes Back, which is now the fifth movie in a nine-part series, and the only line that you hear is, Luke. I am your father, right? Do you like that? I worked hard on that impression, so I hope that was okay. You hear that line, and you have no idea what the heck is happening because you don't know the context of that one very significant line. You go, okay, there's a scary guy with a mask on who has a dark who has, a, who has a, a dark helmet and a deep voice and a laser sword and apparently really bad asthma, and he's like the father of this 
whiny guy who's sweating really badly, who's clinging to this pole for dear life in the middle of some random space station or something like that. Like you would gather that, but that line, even though it's very significant, is lost on you because you don't know how that one small yet significant line fits into the one big story, right? You'd step back and be like, who the heck is this guy with this helmet on? Why does he sound like the guy from the, the lion, Mufasa from the Lion King? And why can't I sound more like that guy? And why are there two dudes in this scene, but there's only three hands? <laughs> like, what the heck is going on? If you're a nerd, you, you, you picked up on that pretty quickly. When it comes to stories, context is everything. The Bible is a story, okay? It's made up of 66 individual books and letters, but those books and letters all serve to tell one story. Colossians is one of those letters in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul. So Paul, kind of like a modern-day Billy Graham, Paul had a lot of younger guys that he pastored and discipled. One of those guys was a guy named Epaphras. And so Paul poured into this guy Epaphras. Then, then Epaphras leaves Paul, goes to Colossae, and plants the church for the Colossians in Colossae, right? And he plants it, pastors it for a few years, and then he takes a really long sabbatical and goes back to Rome to visit Paul, who is currently sitting in a jail cell in Rome, and goes, hey, Paul, how you doing? I want to give you an update on how everything's going in Colossae. And so he gives him an update. Paul's really encouraged. There's also a few things that Paul hears that he's a little worried about because just like every church, including this one, no church is perfect, but that's okay. We're not called to be perfect because the God we serve is perfect. The message is what perf is what's perfect, but the messengers are oftentimes always flawed. But that's okay, and Paul knows that. So what he decides to do is write a letter, and he hands it to Epaphras to take back to the church in Colossae. And um, that letter, it, it has two purposes, really. One is to encourage the Colossians, and number two is to challenge the Colossians, okay? And so it's written to the Colossians, but still very applicable to us today in inc incredible ways. And let me explain that just really quick, because now in 2017, the internet is kind of connecting and shrinking our world, okay? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm a fan. But it's connecting and shrinking our world. Like, nothing seems as big and as mysterious in the world as it used to, right? And back in the day, on a smaller scale, the same thing was happening in Colossae, except instead of the internet, it was with roads built by the Roman Empire. A lot of roads that actually still exist today. It was connecting cities and shrinking the known world that was the Roman Empire. So people in Colossae knew about what was happening in Ephesus, and Ephesus knew about what was happening in Philippi, and everybody knew what was happening in Rome. Everybody knew everything about the Roman Empire because the Roman Empire became everything to everybody and everybody put their hope in the Roman Empire and so Paul 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 he's worried that the even the Christians in Colossae are falling prey to the exact same thing that the secular world in Colossae is falling prey to is that they're taking their eyes off of the divine taking their hope away from the divine and and, and focusing their eyes like on themselves like God you're good we love you but we we got this now like we can do this like we're, we're going to build our roads and our systems and our governments and we we can kind of do this and the hope kind of shifted from him to the Roman Empire and he kind of knew the same thing was happening to the church in Colossians and so Paul in Colossians chapter 1 is going to come out swinging like crazy and it's funny because we fall into the same kind of traps here even as Christians in the United States and Paul I want you to notice this in Colossians chapter 1 how often he emphasizes like get your eyes up off of you get your hope up off of you off of Rome and on to God on to Jesus on to the things above so 
Really quick, Colossians 1, this is a flyby, but just notice all the times he, he points to God, okay? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in, not in Rome, in Christ Jesus, and all the love that you have for God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel, not Rome, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the, the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace. You heard it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit, that's capital S, Spirit, Holy Spirit, gives, so that he may live that so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy, holy people in the kingdom of light, not in the Roman Empire. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so Paul is encouraged by a lot of what he's hearing about the church in Colossae, but the fear that he has, once again, is that they are falling prey to the same ideologies that the secular world in Colossae is falling prey to, which is, which is what? Which is putting their hope in the seen rather than the unseen, putting their hope in the temporary rather than what's eternal, putting their hope in the Roman Empire rather than the one kingdom that will never be shaken and is always eternal. Because to them, honestly, the Roman Empire seemed like it was gonna be an eternal thing, but we have the luxury of being 2,000 years later and reading this and getting to see that Paul was actually the one who was right about that because tonight if you want to know Jesus you can because he's alive and he's here if you want to know about the Roman Empire go get a history book and read about it because it no longer exists right it's Jesus this is where we put our hope this is where we put our hope and so my question for you is the exact same question that he had for the Colossians young adults in Denver where do you put your hope what do you anchor your hope to because we all anchor our hope to something so for you what is it where do you put your hope and as you notice right now we have a rope coming down from the ceiling we planned for this don't worry <laughs> this rope right here for our sake tonight is going to represent hope all right that's easy enough rope and hope those rhyme okay so this is the hope rope for the rest of the night okay and like like all hope, like all hope, hope, hope is ethereal until you attach it to something, right? You put your hope in something. So this hope rope is metaphorically going to represent that to us, and we anchor it to something just like we do with all hope. And so my question to you is, since you have a metaphorical hope rope, whether you know it or not, what do you anchor it to? What do you anchor it to? And just like the young adults in Colossae, there's all kinds of things, man, available to us as 20-somethings in Denver to anchor our hope to. And so I'll ask you for you, what is it? Is it money? Is it health? Is it a dream? Is it a diet? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? See, I learned a lot from a pastor named Andy Stanley about this topic. He asked this question right here. I love this. How do I maintain my hope when it seems like there's a lot of good things in life 
I'm putting my hope in, and all around me, they're just like failing. And they're supposed to be good things. I'm putting my hope in them, and they're failing. Like I centered my expectations on this, and it's not playing out the way I hoped it would, right? I didn't get the job I was hoping I would get. I didn't get into the college I was hoping I would get into. I asked a girl out after YA last week, and she said no, and to be honest, that's not the answer I was hoping for, right? I put my hope in that, and it didn't go the way I planned it, and if you haven't experienced it yet, you will, all right? And that's not me being a bummer. That's just the Bible saying it how it is, and that's why Paul is saying to the Colossians, put your hope in God, guys. Yeah, just put your hope in God, which honestly, I go, thanks, Paul. Yeah, because that's easy, because sure, I can just do that because that's not ethereal or detached from anything at all. Yeah, put your hope in God, man. It's that easy. And I'm thinking, okay, easier said than done. That's probably the preachiest, churchiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Easier said than done. And I think the Colossians had the same frustration that we might feel with that. Like, how do I put my hope in God when there's all these other things down here that I'm very, very good at putting my hope in, right? Why is it so challenging for us to put our hope in God and so easy for us for some reason to put our hope in all of these other things, to attach, to anchor our metaphorical hope ropes to all these other things down here? And here's what the answer is. That's a rhetorical question. I know what the answer is, actually, I'm going to tell you, because I heard Timothy Keller, Andy Stanley make similar points about this, and I know they didn't even come up with it. They got it from the Bible, so I have the answer for you right here. It's very challenging for us to put our hope in God and very easy for us, for us to, to anchor our hope ropes to, to things down here because, honestly, we are, we are pretty good at making anchors that work pretty well. Like, I'll anchor my hope to this, and and. To be honest with you, it's going to work pretty well for a certain amount of time. I don't know how long it's going to work, but right now, it's working, it's working pretty well, right? We've been taught this our whole lives. Hey, man, just get the right amount of education. You get that degree, you can put your hope in that, man. Put your hope in that degree that you're going to get, right? You can anchor your hope rope to that. Like, like you can preach on that. You can, like, young man, you can put your hope in that degree, right? Like, or a certain amount of money in the bank, you can put your hope in a certain amount of money, a certain amount of money for your retirement, a certain amount of salary that you're going to get. You can, you can anchor your hope rope to that. We've been taught these kind of things our whole lives, right? Like as, long, like as long as you can just be successful enough, as long as you can just stay good looking and kind of maintain your youth, and as long as, you know, you can say no to drugs and you can practice abstinence, like those kinds of things. If you put your hope in those things, man, that, that, that will work probably for a while, right? That'll work. Probably for a while. And we have a hard time with it. And we as Christians do the exact same thing that the rest of the world does. We just attach a prayer to the end of it. And so I'll be the culprit and I'll tell you this is what I do. I put my hope in my job. I put my hope in my marriage. And then I go to bed at night and I pray, God, please give strength to this anchor that I've decided to anchor my hope in, which by the way is not you. Like, right? Give strength to this. God, strengthen this church because my hope is in this church. God, strengthen my marriage because my hope is in this marriage, right? 
And anybody, man, like this is what Paul is saying to Colossae. This is what anybody who's lived long enough would say to any of us, okay? And it goes something like this. I don't care how much education you've had. I don't care how many degrees you have. That's great. Do all those things. I don't care how many dollar bills you have falling out of your pockets. I don't care how attractive you are. I don't care how much you can bench press. I don't care how careful you are in this life. I don't care if you wear your seatbelt every single time you get in your car to drive. I don't care how many risks you don't take. I don't care how responsible you are, right? I don't care how nice your car is right now. I don't care. I don't don't care how much kale you eat right now. I don't care how often you work out. All of those things are wonderful things. Please hear my heart. You should do those things, but at some point, if those things are anchors for your hope, for your hope, those anchors are going to fail you because eventually everything has an expiration date on this planet. Eventually, you will take your final breath. Not very fun to think about, but sobering and creates urgency when you think about that. Eventually, you will take your final breath. If you put your, your hope, if you attach, attach your hope rope to youth, like eventually you're going to be holding on to that even though you're aging and being pulled forward. And the Bible even says this. Like Solomon said, it's kind of depressing but also might make you laugh because it's in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, if you live long enough because of all the kale you eat, if you live long enough, you will get to a point one day where you'll wake up and you'll be mad that you woke up again. You'll wake up and be like, dang it, I'm still alive. Like, I just really kind of want to go home because that's really where my, my hope is, right? This is where we put our, our hope. I don't care about all of these other things because if you, like, and you should do all of those things. Like, everything I said is not bad. You just shouldn't put your hope in them. You should, like, it's called living a fun life. It's called pursuing life to the full. It's called wisdom. WWJD, what would Jesus do? He would do all of those things. Do all of those things. But doing those things is different than putting your hope in those things. If you put your hope in those things, those anchors have expiration dates because our world is fallen and has been subject to the futility of sin, and sin will run its course. And anything besides God that you anchor your hope rope to has an expiration date. All right? And so, this is how much I love you guys. I want to show you this in a way that you're never going to forget it for the rest of your lives, okay? So give me 10 seconds to prepare, turn to your neighbor and say, is this church or is this a circus? Give three people around you a high five. All right, you guys ready? So we're going to try this. We haven't uh, rehearsed this yet, so I just hope this works. I'm kidding. We tried it once. It's flawless. Flawless. We're going to be just fine. We're going to find out exactly what happens. So this rope, right, is my hope, and it's anchored to something. And we're going to find out tonight exactly what happens if this rope is anchored to anything else besides God, okay? So this is me right now anchoring this rope to anything in life, great things that are not God. Preston, are you ready? On belay? All right, man, let's do it. Oh, look at that. It's working right now, right? Like, I'm pretty good. 
at coming up with anchors that work pretty well in my life. Like it's holding, at least for now, might not hold much longer. I don't really know when the expiration date is, but right now, man, this is working pretty well. Pretty well. So let me ask you this question right here. Let's do some examples. What happens when you put your hope in the United States of America? Let's use that as an example, okay? Some context. The Colossians, think about this for a second. What did the Colossians put their hope in? The Roman Empire. To give you a bit of context, the Roman Empire ruled the known world from, from England to India for 1,500 years, okay? It seemed like it was going to be eternal, but eventually that, that empire fell. So to give you some context, the United States is currently 240 years old. So we're kind of like a little brother, if that, to the Roman Empire, okay? And I love this country. I'm proud to be an American, okay? I love living here. You should too. I love to travel because every culture is beautiful, but one of my favorite parts about traveling is coming home because this place is the best, okay? I love the United States. I'm proud to be an American, but if you think this thing is forever, you're fooling yourself. And if you put your hope in a nation or a specific political party or a specific political leader, eventually, all right, Preston, let's go again. Let's do another one. Let's do money and finances, right? I'm not saying don't make money, dude. Get a job. Get educated, get a degree, get your dream job, make a ton of money, tithe 10% of it, get your 401k on, okay? Do all that stuff, it's good stuff. But if you put your hope in a bank account or retirement or the economy, eventually, let's go again, man, do it one more time. I'm having too much fun. I'll talk to you like this. Let's talk, about, let's talk about youth. If you put your hope in what you see when you look in the mirror, sorry, there's just blood going to my head. If you put your hope in what you see when you look into the mirror right now, you're going to look different five years, when you look in, five years from now when you look into that same mirror, correct? 50 years from now, you, you look in that mirror, you're going to look a lot, a lot different than you look tonight, okay? And I'm not saying don't try to, to look young, man. Eat your kale. Do your whole 30. Do your CrossFit, Keaton. Bench press. Get your lift on, man. Do all of those things. But if you put your hope in youth and you try to hang on to the fact that you're getting older, that we're all getting older, eventually, catching on to what the keyword is, all right, let's do one more. Feel free to scare me this time, okay? We're going to do one more. We're going to make it big. Last one. Let's do this. Let's do identity or position or title. So <clears throat> you put your hope in, I don't know, being known for a specific thing. Like you're the best at something. You might be the best at it now. One day you're no longer going to be, okay? You might be the best athlete now. One day you'll no longer be the, the, the best athlete. Exhibit A, any athletic hero from the 90s, right? You're the smartest person now. One day that's no longer going to be true. You're this guy. You're this girl now. One day that is going to fail you. And if you put your hope in any kind of title or position, any kind of identity, then eventually, 
eventually that anchor has an expiration date. All right, point made? All right, bro, let's do it. Preston, because that worked and your system didn't kill me, I'm going to take you to Dairy Queen this weekend, and you can get whatever you want. All right. Yeah, Preston, so turn to your neighbor right now and say, that looks painful. Turn to your other neighbor right now and say, not as painful as when it happens in reality, bro. Church is fun, man. I was looking forward to that all day. Pick anything that's not God to put your hope in, and eventually that anchor has an expiration date. If it's not Jesus, it has an expiration date, no matter how good it seems, okay? If it's not Jesus, it has an expiration date. And so what do we do? What is Paul saying to the Colossians? that the word of God is speaking to us tonight, that your faith and your love are anchored to the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, not anchored to something down here, anchored to the only thing in this world that will never fail you. And you do everything that you can to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus with all the heart and with all the passion that you have. But at the end of the day, when all is said and done, you place your hope in something eternal. You place your hope in something that will never change. You place your hope in something that will stay the same through the ages you place, you connect, you anchor your metaphorical hope rope to a God who has plans for you, young adult, long after you take your final breath on this planet, okay? And so what do we do? We get an education, man. Work hard, get some degrees, get a good job, get your dream job, make good money, get married, have lots of babies, be fruitful and multiply. Obey God when he says to do that, right? Be fruitful and multiply. But if any of those things go wrong, and fail you, like that's hard, but your hope is not here, your hope is here. Your energy might be here, but your hope is here. So when those things fail you, your, your hope is still connected to something that will never fail you and that will never change. And so, so work out, eat kale, do the whole 30, but, that, but as your body ages and as your body begins to fail you, which it's going to one day, we're young adults, we think we're invisible, right? Invincible and invisible, if you think you're invisible, Recovery for you, okay? We think we're invincible right now as young adults, okay? And, and a lot of us, we, we might not know it yet, but we anchor a lot of our hope in our youth. And when that happens, you can't own the age that you are. Like I'm 28 now, one day I'll be 48, one day I'll be 88, and I wanna own the fact that I'm 88, right? I wanna be like the 88 guy that's like, what's up, I'm 88. Young man, come golf with me, I'll school you, I'll tell you some crazy stories, and by the time we get to the 18th green, you will be a Christian whether you like it or not because there's just something magnetic about people whose, whose hope is not anchored to horizontal things. and and people whose, whose hope is anchored on something above where people can look at you and be like, dude, you're living for another world. It's not this one. Whatever it is, man, I, I need to figure it out. What it is that you have that I don't, there's something about you. You're rooted in something more. Like, your hope's not in this world. 
And therefore, you enjoy the things in this world all the more. You really do because you're not counting on them to do something they were never designed or created to do for you. God is the only one who is an anchor that will never fail no matter what. Eternally, you're with him, which means what? You can forgive people. And if they don't forgive you back, that's hard, but that's okay at the same time because your hope was not in them forgiving you back. Your hope was in the God who forgave you, right? You can, you can love people. And if for some reason they don't love you back, I know that stings, right? That hurts, but your hope at the same time was not in them loving you back, but in a, lo- in a God who, who loves you unconditionally. That's where our hope is. And when, when life fails us, and things really don't go the way we plan, or people that we love go to be with Jesus, and that it hurts, and we hurt, and we cry, and we grieve, and we mourn, probably for a while, right? And I'm not claiming to know that pain if anybody's feeling that in this room. But we get around the people that we love, you guys, and we hold fast to the fact that our hope was never rooted in living on this planet for forever but rather in living somewhere else forever, in a place where there will be no pain forever and no tears forever, in paradise with Jesus for the rest of forever. That is where my hope is found. That is unwavering. That is is not to be messed with. A kingdom that is unshakable when everything down here, no matter how eternal or solid it seems, has an expiration date including kingdoms, including nations, our sandcastle kingdoms, our lowercase empires that we build down here. And so what does that mean? That means tonight you can go to bed if it's been an awesome day and you can, you can pray and you can say, God, thank you. It's been, it's been an awesome day. Had a great hair day. Skin has been clear, my complexion clear for the last week. Had Chipotle today, come on. Got into the college I wanted to get into, went to Top Golf with my friends and tomorrow's payday like it's just an awesome day God so thank you but still God at the same time my hope so you know is not in any of those things but rather in you my energy's here but my hope is here and if it's been an awful week it's been a horrible day that means the exact same thing that you can go to bed and you can pray and you can say God it's been, an, it's been a horrible day Horrible hair day today, God. I feel like I've been sick for the last month. I've got no energy. Anxiety's back. My future is not shaping out the way I expected it would. My best friend won't talk to me today, and that stings, God, but I want you to know my hope is not in those things. My energy's here, God, but my hope is rooted in you and your kingdom that will never be shaken, that will never be taken from me, that will never be extinguished. That stays the same through the ages. My hope, God, is in you. And so would you guys stand with me really quick? If you, if you can loosen your grip, whatever that looks like for you, first it's recognizing and acknowledging and just being honest, man. We all put our hope in things that are not God. We're good at doing that. We're bad at putting our hope in Him. It doesn't just happen naturally for anybody, not even Paul. And so give yourself grace and take an honest assessment. What are you putting your hope in? 
What are you anchoring your metaphorical hope rope to down here that is not Jesus Christ? And then take it the, the, the next step further than that. If you can somehow begin to loosen your grip on those things, those things will begin to loosen their grip on you. And that's where the transition happens. That's where you can begin to learn how to trust and how to put your hope in the one thing that will never be shaken or taken from you. The one kingdom that doesn't have an expiration date. The one God who is with you tonight will be with you whatever day it is for you when you close your eyes for the very last time on this planet and then you open your eyes and you're in paradise with him for the rest of forever which by the way is going to be awesome which by the way is like an endless vacation that you should be anticipating every single day you can change your anchor to the one who is preeminent, the one who has supremacy, the one that Paul will not let you forget in this letter to the Colossians. He wouldn't let them forget it. He's not gonna let you forget it tonight. It's Jesus Christ. You put your hope in him. It's Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible's about. It's a story, 66 books and letters that tell one story from start to finish and the main character is Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. That's what it's always been about, even on the days when we don't acknowledge it. But let the Bible speak to you. Let Paul speak to you through this ancient letter to the Colossians. Let's read this. The Son, that's Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, that's Jesus. For in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. He is before all things. In him, Jesus Christ, all things hold together. He is the head. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might be preeminent, that Jesus might have supremacy, that Jesus might be the anchor that we put our hope in. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him, and through him reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, Jesus Christ's blood, shed on the cross. And he goes on to say that you young adult, you are now perfect, you are now blameless, you are now spotless, your record is undefeated as you stand here tonight ready to praise him and ready to worship him. So worship him from a stance of perfection, for perfection. Worship him as if your hope is anchored in him. Worship him as if you know where you're gonna be one day when you take your last breath on this planet. Worship him as if you know that he is preeminent, that he has supremacy. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in Jesus Christ, in the gospel. God, we thank you. We love you so much. God, I feel just compelled right now to tell somebody in the room that if they feel like they're in an off season right now with you, they're kidding themselves and it's not true. If we're waiting for some day in the future, if we're waiting until we're 30 years old or until we have a certain job or until we finally have a husband or a wife so that we can start doing ministry, there is no off seasons with God. Not when our hope is in eternity. Not when our hope is in heaven. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. I am not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed 2018. 
God, I know every single one of us stands on the brink of eternity at every single moment. Tonight, singing these songs to you, worshiping you, we stand on the brink of eternity. And I pray for my friends in this room that it's heaven and it's paradise with you. And so right now, I wasn't even planning on this, but I, I can't like go to sleep tonight without giving you a chance if you don't know Jesus to know Jesus because you might not be here next week. I'm sorry, but and that's not popular to think about, but it's true. And sometimes being sobered up to eternity is the greatest thing in the entire world. And I can't, I can't get off of this platform right now without giving you a chance to know Jesus, to have your eternal destination changed forever. You're not perfect, but with Jesus you can be. This life isn't forever, but heaven is forever. Our hope is not in this world. This world, this world can be really challenging and really hard. This world can suck sometimes, but this world is not all there is. This is not the way it was supposed to be. Jesus is coming back one day to make things back, restore things back to, way, to the way that they were supposed to be, the way they were in creation in the garden. One day that's going to happen. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. But tonight, you can confess right now. Tonight you can ask Jesus into your heart right now. Tonight you can step into a relationship with your creator. This is not religion. This is not a list of to-dos or don'ts. This is not even church. This is a relationship with your creator, with the God who created the entire universe. He wants to know you intimately and personally. With him, you can have perfection. And if you want that right now, just raise your hand right now. High, raise it proud, raise it high, raise it proud. Can we give it up right now? There's hands all over the room. Heaven's getting more crowded. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for giving us front row seats to see the coolest miracle, the greatest miracle that exists. Eternal destinations being changed and people coming into the kingdom. That happened tonight. If that's you, congratulations. I want to pray for you right now. God, thank you for tonight. I thank you for my friends in this room who accepted you into their hearts for the first time tonight. I pray, God, that you would hold on to them so tightly. I pray they would continue to experience your love and your presence as we sing these songs. I pray they would not feel alone. And if they feel scared, I pray they know, just somehow they know that you're with them. And I pray for everybody else in this room, myself included, God, we need help to put our hope in you. We can do all the things down here. We can put our energy in all the things around us, God, but ne let us never get caught putting our hope in anchors that have expiration dates, God. Teach us what it looks like to lift our eyes up. Teach us what it looks like to put our hope in you. Starting tonight, for the rest of forever. God, we love you so much. Thank you for being so good. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Guys, I love you. Let's worship.